What's going on, everybody? You got Javen and Anna here, and you are listening to STL by Design. And if you're joining us for the first time, we are president and vice president of AIGA St. Louis, and our intent with this show is to highlight any efforts in St. Louis at the intersection of creativity and positive impact. That's right, and we've actually got a new approach that we would like to try out to try and streamline accessibility, and that is Instagram TV. So, if you want to hear the full episode, tap on that little fancy icon on the corner while this music by Critical plays. On this episode of STL by Design, we're talking with James McAnally of The Luminary, located on Cherokee Street. How are you doing, James? I'm doing well, considering. Yeah, I know. It's, it's a weird world right now. You always have to give a pause. Like, I think I'm doing well. And then you have to add some sort of qualification. But yeah, yeah. all things considered. <laughs> I'm healthy and connective and well and excited to be able to like actually be still supporting and doing some of our work in other ways while we can't gather. So yeah. Yeah. And that's awesome. And so I've known about the luminary for a while, but for anyone who doesn't, um, what, what is the luminary? Yeah. So the luminary is a nonprofit arts organization. Um, we've been around for just over a decade. Um, and we provide lots of, uh, resources for artists, um, ranging from exhibitions to an international residency program that brings in artists, curators, and critics from all over the world, um, to a range of kind of direct resource, most notably a regranting program um, that we'll talk a bit about, more about, um, as well as a range of public art commissions and kind of support projects throughout the year. What was the thought process behind kind of beginning this whole journey? Yeah, I mean, its roots were really um, for myself and the co-founder, uh, Brie Youngblood. Um, she and I were both young artists. I was primarily a writer and musician. She was a visual artist, photographer. And um, we were kind of neither from, neither of us were from here um, and saw kind of a gaps in creative community. There's an amazing museum culture, uh, incredible universities and art programs but there felt like there was this kind of gap uh, in which artists felt like they always needed to, um, once they got to a certain point in their career, they felt like they needed to move to New York or Chicago or LA to really find that next level of support or opportunity or creative community. Um, and so we saw the roots of that here, even though we weren't from here and started the space initially as a studio um, that was very intentionally interdisciplinary. So, um, visual artists, musicians, writers. And then from there, it sort of opened up and we started to think about what kind of a sustainable nonprofit platform that was founded by artists that was um, very specifically interested in kind of following artists' ideas and practices and kind of seeing where that went, what what we felt like artists needed in the moment. Um, so we very much, um, I still think about the space as uh, this kind of artist-centric organization that is meant to 
constantly be responsive and changing with the needs of artists, with the needs of the moment, uh, with the needs of the city and our communities around us. So yeah, that kind of founding principle, even though it's looked very different over the years, we used to be a concert venue, um, primarily a studio space, as I mentioned now, um, you know, we own our space on Cherokee Street that houses uh, about 10 artist studios. We have three live workspaces for visiting artists and curators and critics. We house an artist co-op gallery called Monaco within our building and really think of the space as a resource um, and then increasingly have been working kind of outside of that and just thinking like, what are ways beyond space that we can be a resource that we can kind of keep pushing boundaries and things like that. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that kind of gives some of the arc, but really just following following how artists are working at present and continuing to be innovative in our approach uh, within the city. I, I like that it kind of is responsive to what artists need and what is trending in that way, as opposed to you kind of assuming or, or choosing a direction and then hoping the artists fall in line. I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a real privilege of being a kind of smaller space that we don't have a collection. We're not a, like, a museum. Um, yeah. We're much more nimble and have a small staff that, you know, all of our staff, our artists are very much like part of the art community in different ways and think of ourselves very much as like peers and like listeners to what is happening. Yeah, so we're kind of constantly asking those questions like what is needed right now? which I think also enables us in this moment where everything feels very much up in the air and in flux to kind of return to that, like what is needed right now and can we change and adapt to respond to that? So it feels, um, you know, constantly being ready to ask that question and change your mind and change your programs. Um, For us, it feels like a huge privilege and kind of an obligation to then, you know, make sure that we are, always doing that and always listening to what's needed. Hmm. And actually on the note of uh, what's needed now, James, you all have announced a few weeks ago an emergency relief fund that you all uh, are partnering with the Andy Warhol Foundation on. Can you explain to us sort of what that is and how this came to be? Yeah, definitely. So last year we started a program called the Futures Fund, which um, was a coalition of local supporters um, that was a regrant, which a regrant just means we took the funds and then gave them back out to uh, artists and organizations that maybe weren't nonprofits and couldn't qualify for traditional grant structures to to create innovative, more responsive new projects. Last year, that culminated in eight different projects, ranging from like a community cookbook with the St. Louis Metro Market um, to a mural in Hyde Park by Kababi Bayak, and a really amazing project called Public Service Announcement um, that's kind of always on view at 2222 Chippewa. Um, that's like a public mm-hmm. art platform. So there's kind of a range of things that came out of that after that kind of first first successful test um, in 2019, um, I had a few conversations with the Andy Warhol Foundation for the Visual Arts, which is kind of directly uh, was founded uh, by the artist Andy Warhol um, in his will. He wanted to make sure that his his work kind of continued to support artists over kind of the decades to come. So the foundation 
has a re-granting program, and we partnered with them going into 2020 um, to be one of their new regional re-granting organizations. So that was already kind of in motion, and we were going to be expanding the Futures Fund and offering more support this year. And as kind of all of the impacts around um, COVID-19 started to become clear, uh, we were in touch and we were kind of just getting ready to start to formulate our our program. And we had a few conversations with them in which they made it clear that they were open to their their grantees to pivot and find ways to be more responsive to their communities in this moment, that maybe project grants weren't needed when people, you know, were kind of losing all of their other income or had really kind of uncertain day-to-day lives that, that an emergency grant was possible. And so we decided Mm -hmm. to pivot and make all of those funds that would have been for projects available just for the practical needs of people's lives. Um, And so these unrestricted grants can go to kind of any part. It's not necessarily related to someone's artistic practice we are accepting applications only from visual artists. That's one of the um, kind of restrictions, even from, you know, Andy Warhol's original kind of will, I think that it had to be for visual artists. So we're continuing that part. We just closed our first rant, round of the grant. Um, so we're giving away $31,000 grants this week and, you know, are kind of privileged to be able to take this resource and then, redistribute it really directly to people's lives um, and feels like kind of a continuation of our mission of putting artists first. But, you know, sometimes putting artists first means prioritizing their day-to-day lives, allowing them right. to groceries. You know, now it's not necessarily the time to be asking artists to respond through their work. Um, it's really just kind of framing like, you know, we, we can't get to that point of uh, kind of privileging creativity and expression when people can't um, afford rent and afford groceries. And so this is really just a way to be a stopgap for that um, for as many people as we possibly can. Yeah, and I love the point about supporting artists just in their lives right now because kind of what you said about like there's a, there's so much going on and everyone is responding in a different and reacting in different ways. And like, for me, it was, it was hard to get to start feeling creative again and not feel just kind of overwhelmed by everything. So supporting their lives in general is going to, is going to help them a lot and mentally just to be able to handle everything and get back to where they need to be. Yeah, definitely. I mean, in the applications, some people were talking about, you know, the need to buy art supplies so that they can even make the work to keep, you know, maybe they do have a venue to sell online or have some opportunities. But for a lot of people, and we made this, we tried to make this very clear in our call that like, you know, we don't, we don't need that to be what the funds go to. It's not really, you know, it's kind of embracing this like, like artists sometimes get put into a special category of, you know, just associated with their work, but very practically artists often have really precarious financial situations. A lot are kind of very much like week to week and check to check. And when suddenly you remove any of this, like 
you know, maybe they aren't making work or making money from their artwork. Maybe they're making money actually from their um, bartending gigs or their Uber driving. Like lots of artists are not making it as with art as a profession. And that's a very real kind of structural question that I'm also interested in. But right now, all of those things are likewise in flux. And, you know, I think art is this, it, it does often come out of even having the time and space to reflect and to think and to create and dream and sketch. And often, too often, I think that that is a privilege of people who can just afford their lives um, in a basic way. So, so on a positive note, <laughs> what have you seen anything? I mean, th- there are a lot of positive things going on, but have you seen anything that's been really inspiring kind of within the St. Louis creative community in the last couple months? It's, I mean, I've, we've seen a, a million things and that's why we wanted to do this special kind of podcast mini season. Um, but is there anything that stuck out to you as like really kind of inspiring or just makes you happy? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that there is a lot, you know, even in the midst of a difficult moment, there's a lot to still celebrate about what, what is happening. Something that I've been, uh, particularly attuned to is a group called Solidarity Economy, which a lot of artists and art organizations are part of that, but they've been hosting weekly web shares in which they're teaching people how to grow medicinal herbs and how to identify like wild mushrooms that are, you know, forageable, but also very practical kind of how to get relief efforts um, to people so they they have an open link where people can request support if they are in particular need and they've been giving away a lot of funds that way. Um, I've been aware of and part of supporting a space called Marsh, which is just really opening to the public, but it's on South Broadway. And part, they, they do a lot of amazing things, including like performance and they're going to do residencies, but they... Uh, also have a food share, a food co-op operating right now. Um, and just seeing those infrastructures that we're already starting um, to build different forms of support that in this moment, they become much more urgent or clear in the ways that they were always really impactful. So those are two things. I've also been really uh, into and haven't been present at enough of them, but I've seen the the Pulitzer Arts Foundation, I think, has done a good job of pivoting their program to um, start to serve like a, a remote audience. That what does it look like for their poetry readings and performances to then be live streamed? Local DJ 18 and Counting has been DJing every night at midnight, which I think is remarkable uh, achievement of just like duration of just still showing up to his audience and community to really um, be still doing his work and, uh, you know, finding those, those moments of gathering, even if they're remotely. I don't think I've heard of, well, I've heard of the Pulitzer stuff, but I hadn't heard of the other two um, things. So it's awesome. I'll have to check those out. Yeah. Well, Anna, what's not to go too off track, but, uh, we actually, when we spoke with Kaveh at Blank Space, he actually also mentioned uh, 18 and counting. So serendipity, question mark, interview? Question mark. 
Maybe. James, so here's a question that we have not asked uh, of our guests in a while, especially in the midst of uh, the, the current state of affairs in society and the world. But let's just see about it. So if you had 30, if you had 30 seconds to talk to the world, what would you say? I mean, I think that's a really resonant question right now. Something that I'm thinking a lot about is in this moment of transition and flux, uh, I see an opportunity for us to not return to kind of business as usual, that this is a time to, to dream bigger and to think, um, what are the ways that we are showing up for our neighbors and our communities in everyday life um, outside of crisis? Um, that right now, you know, we're seeing new ways of supporting each other. And I would love to see that um, beyond and outside of this current crisis that, yeah, how can we actually envision new forms of support beyond the present moment? Word. He had that one. He had that one ready. That's good. That's a good one. <laughs> this is why we ask this question. We always get a really good answer. That's been my, yeah. my question for myself. You know, like what, what about right now am I learning that will help change me, help change myself or the work that I feel like is urgent. You know, this isn't going to be our only crisis. And, you know, what are we learning? True indeed. Well, James, thank you for your time. We really appreciate it. Of course. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. I don't know, did we ask how can can artists apply for uh, the emergency relief fund? Yeah, so our round one closed uh, just this past week. The funds are going out this week. Um, mm-hmm. The next round, we're opening a new round of grants on June 1st, um, kind okay. of aware that this uh, this might hit people later. Um, so we're going to have another round of $31,000 grants opening June 1st. And a new program we're working on is I think we're getting additional funds to support um, other artists run and DIY spaces that are maybe most affected by this as well. So kind of look for that June 1st that we're also going to be supporting other, other art spaces and venues um, and DIY spaces around the region with another fund. Awesome. Excellent. Well, hopefully a bunch of people hear this and to all of you who are listening, be sure to follow the luminary on yeah, I feel like most platforms. Is that right? Yeah. You can find us on uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all at the handle at the Luminary Arts, which is also our website, theluminaryarts.com. Nice and easy. Follow them. That's right. See what they're doing. They do some really awesome stuff. So check them out. Check them out. And James, thanks. Thank you once again. Yeah, of course. Thanks so much for the invitation. Look forward to hearing it. Yeah, so thank you again to James McAnally of the Luminary for taking the time to chat with us and explain the Emergency Relief Fund and what Luminary is. Yeah, and thank you to Critical for the music, as always. Of course, of course. And finally, as you all know, and we always say, thank you for listening. You could do anything right now. That's right. And if you know of anyone who you think we should reach out to who's been doing some awesome stuff around St. Louis, specifically in the creative community, uh, let us know through the Instagram or the email or whatever, and we'll check them out. 
Absolutely. And until then, we'll catch you next time. Bye. Peace, everybody.